Have you ever tried Curious Elixirs? Their booze-free craft cocktails are infused with adaptogens to help you unwind. They're plants that benefit your body, helping you relax and de-stress without the hangover. Use code Kimberly22 and get $10 off your order of $50 or more. Go check out Curious Elixirs. Thanks. Hey everybody, this is Kim. Welcome to the Weekend Sober. I'm glad you're here. I am on my own today and I'm just going to chit chat with you all about what's going on in my life. But um, I just want to say that I'm really happy you have tuned in. Um, it's been a big few weeks for me. I I released my book on November 1st and it's been a whirlwind few weeks. I had a launch party last week in town with my friends and family and that was a lot of fun. Um, I did a book signing, did a reading and it was great. It was really cool. Um, so many people came and supported me and I was blown away by all the love and just wonderful feedback that I've had. I've received from so many people from all over, not just around here, but from emails and messages on Instagram. And it's just really cool. And I'm really excited um, for what's to come. So thank you all so much. Um, I love hearing what you think and how you relate to my story, because it's not just um, about the drinking. I think that Yes, there are people that can relate to the alcohol aspect of the story, the drinking part. Um, but even if you don't struggle with alcohol, there are so many other parts to the story that people can um, can relate to and apply to their own lives. And you know, in terms of parenting, and somebody said to me, "Wow, like I grew up in Connecticut, and I, you know, totally relate to all of this." suburban lifestyle, Fairfield County, Connecticut. I just, you know, prep school. I totally, totally remember all of that. Um, somebody else was talking to me about, you know, the um, stories I told about college and Colby and they didn't go to Colby, but they were like, yeah, I mean, my college was just like that, even though they went to a bigger school the drinking scene was just like Colby. So it's really interesting how people um, kind of com- compare and contrast their experiences with with my life story. Um, so if you haven't gotten a chance yet to pick up a copy of my book, On the Edge of Shattered, check it out um, online. You can get it at Barnes & Noble and Amazon. Um, and if you're local, I have copies you can buy from me and need them here. Um, so yeah, send me a message if you want to pick one up. Um, so today is November 17th. Tomorrow is the 18th and tomorrow is my 40th birthday, which is wild. Um, I always pictured celebrating my birthday. Um, I actually wanted to always go to Nashville with all of my friends. I used to say that, um, you know, with this group of friends that I had, um, I was the youngest, I've always been the youngest in my group of friends. I have a late birthday. 
Um, but in particular, um, a crowd that I hung around here with, I was always the youngest and I celebrated so many 40th birthdays already. And with all those friends, I said, all right, when my birthday comes around, we're going to Nashville, we're going, you know, we're doing something awesome because I'm the last one to turn 40. And um, here we are, I, I turn 40 tomorrow. And uh, guess what? I'm not going to Nashville tomorrow. Um, I don't have any plans. Um, and I'm actually really excited about it, I'm not gonna lie. Um, I am going out to dinner with some friends and have a quiet weekend planned and could not be more pumped about it. Um, birthdays have really shifted for me. I don't celebrate them like I used to. I am more excited about my two year soberversary coming up uh, a week after my birthday. That is actually more of a milestone now, more important to me than my own birthday. Um, and I've heard that from other people that stop drinking that they look forward to celebrating their sober birthday more than their actual birthday. Um, but you know, for this, I guess, milestone birthday, my husband and I are taking a trip. Um, also, it's kind of to celebrate my two year soberversary. Also to celebrate, you know, the launch of my book and, and also just to get away because we need it. We need that um, break. So we're gonna go away, the two of us, um, in a couple weeks. And so that'll sort of be like a little, you know, 40th birthday trip for me. Um, and I personally think it's a million times better than getting shit-faced in Nashville for three days and then having to recover from my vacation for another week. Um, so it'll be great. We're gonna go somewhere tropical and, you know, relax and do some snorkeling and sailing and hiking and massages and it'll just be much needed break from everything. Um, so anyways, I am going to actually read to you an excerpt, excerpt from my book and this is the part that I read during my um, launch party last week. And I got a really great feedback um, from some people about this particular um, passage. And so I wanted to share it again. So if you have not read my book, please consider. Um, and this is a passage from the middle-ish. Um, and so it's from when I was 17 years old. So you'll, you'll see when you read my book that I go back in time and tell kind of like small stories from my past. And at the same time, I go through the first year of my sobriety. So I kind of go back and forth, um, switching uh, narratives. Okay, so um, I'd love for you to listen to this passage and um, and then check out the book um, in its entirety on Amazon. Okay, so it's called A Shoebox Full of Secrets, um, 1999, 17 years old. Dishonesty begins casually, and it often starts small. During my senior year, after I got accepted into college, I went through a phase 
where I kept a pack of Parliament lights tucked away in a shoebox in my closet, along with love notes from Jack, condoms, and a small dime bag of weed that I bought off the streets of Porchester, New York. These were some of my secret possessions that I never wanted my parents to find. There was a craving I felt in the late afternoons after school when I thought about the cigarettes. Was it the nicotine I craved, or the need to escape the stress of school? Did I want to do something scandalous and rebel against the privileged lifestyle I'd grown accustomed to? Was I acting out because I had a feeling something was off between my parents? Or did I really just want to feel the dopamine rush as I breathed in the puff of smoke? I didn't know then, and I still don't know now, but I craved those cigarettes often. I opened the shoebox and pulled the pack out, turning it over and over again in my hand. I loved smelling it and practiced with the lighter on my bedroom floor. I feared that craving and obsessed over it. Cigarettes made me nervous. I knew they were bad for me. Images of the angry black lung my gym teacher showed us in sixth grade health class sat in the back of my mind, and I never wanted to be known as a smoker. My friends and I made fun of girls like that. It was a nasty habit, and we laughed at the groups of teens that hung around on the Ave outside the movie theater surrounded by a cloud of smoke. I was better than that. I also knew what it meant to crave it. I didn't want to become addicted, so I only allowed myself to indulge every so often. I didn't want to die young from cancer, I thought. But it was also really fun to do something I knew I wasn't supposed to. I waited for Mom to leave me home alone in the afternoons after school so we could sneak out onto the back patio and smoke. My black lab, Maggie, sat at the door wagging her tail, begging to come outside with me and play. I waited until I could see Mom's car heading away from the house, and I followed it down the road with my eyes and around the corner. As soon as she was out of sight, I lit the Parliament light, expertly blowing the smoke up toward the sky, sighing deeply with relief. I'm fine, I told myself. This is no big deal, I always said. I deserve this. Eventually, I learned how to blow perfect smoke rings. Megan taught me how to ha, taught me how on one of our bike rides at the club. I watched them float slowly upward, and a feeling of elation momentarily took me away. I spun around in circles, laughing to myself. Maggie watched me intently through the window of the door. Soon I grew nervous, searching the road for signs of Mom's car on her way back home too soon. I lived in fear of getting caught picturing her returning unexpectedly for a forgotten checkbook or wallet. I was terrified of getting into trouble. I loved the danger, but I hated it at the same time. I craved the dizziness the cigarettes gave me, but they also made me sick to my stomach. Exhilaration overwhelmed me as soon as I stepped foot outside. I wanted to feel that I was doing something naughty, but the guilt afterward was sometimes too much to handle. After a puff or two and feeling like I might pass out, I stubbed the cigarette out and crushed it with my shoe, hiding it under a rock. Then I went back inside, washed my hands, gave Maggie a kiss on the head, changed my clothes, and started my homework. My parents never found the pile of crushed, half-smoked cigarettes out back under the pile of rocks. Years later, my husband would not find my stash of empty vodka bottles at the bottom of our recycling bin either. As an adult, I'd sneak sips of vodka, just like I sneaked cigarettes as a child, hiding from my husband before he got home from work. The same fear and exhilaration would cause my heart to pound in my chest as I wondered if I'd get caught. Maybe all this time, I wanted to be exposed. Perhaps, deep down, I knew I needed someone to find out about all the lying and save me from myself. 
because I recognized that eventually my secrets would suffocate me. So that's the end of that chapter. Um, like I said, I would love it if you checked out the book and gave it a read. Um, and see for yourself if you've uh, already read it. Give it a review on Amazon and um, Goodreads or BookBub. And uh, that's really helpful actually for indie authors to get reviews early on Amazon and everything. Something with the algorithm. Um, so anyways, like I said, it's been a whirlwind. Um, I'm so proud of what I've accomplished so far, um, I am just, this is my story and I just want to help others. That's, it's, you know, my emotional truth is what I keep saying. Um, that's the whole point of this is just to be reaching people that are struggling. And that's why we do this podcast. It's why I wrote this book. Um, in hearing from people that they are connecting with my story, not just that yeah, like uh, they grew up in Connecticut and they know what it's like, but just that they are, they experience what I experience. They can relate to exactly the feelings of anxiety and fears that I had and that this book gives them hope. That is an incredible feeling um, that I can provide for somebody and it's, um, I'm grateful that I'm able to do that. So um, I'm very moved and touched whenever anybody tells me that, you know, they appreciate my story and my vulnerability and my bravery because honestly, it's it's the least I can do. Um, I just want to, I just want people to not feel alone like I did or lost because, um, there is so much more out there than alcohol, and there's just such a better option, and I really want people to find that like I did. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really why, that's why I'm doing this, and that's why I um, encourage people to read it, and you know, share it with your loved ones, and it's the holidays soon, so could make for a pretty good holiday gift, actually. Um, anyways, well, thank you so much for listening and, um, shoot me a DM or a, send us an email and we love hearing from you guys. Um, and have a great weekend sober. We'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. Bye.